Now I've been told that our guest is on the phone, so let's go over and say hello to Francis Morlapay. Hi, Francis. Hi, Gary. I've been listening to your calming voice and just what I need in my hectic uh, journey right now. I just returned from India last night. Please take a few moments and tell us about your um, your being with Vandana Shiva and what you learned. Well, that was glorious. Uh, it was her 25th anniversary. She is the Indian leader um, fighting against uh, GMOs in in her part of the world and worldwide. But more than that, on the positive, I could say that she is a leader in the protection of the great diversity of healthy food um, plants in India. And so I got to go visit her and I got to go south in Andhra Pradesh, go into the villages and talk to village women who have gained food security in the most beautiful community way of working together and and reclaiming the best of Indian um, farming practices, multi-cropping, that is many, many crops, 25 in the field I walked in, and healthy foods, and they have said absolutely no to GMOs there. In fact, they... They had a terrible experience in the area I visited with, um, near the area I visited with uh, um, GM cotton that failed for them, and it was terrible. So it was most uplifting, most incredibly uplifting trip. Could you share a few of the thoughts on how serious it is for the poor Indian family that has to mortgage their farm, their property, in order to get the genetically engineered seed, including the Bt cotton seed, and then when that crop fails, they turn over their farm, and many times, over 250,000 times, the farmer's chosen to commit suicide. Yes, it's 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 tragic and completely avoidable. This is one of the reasons that is so tragic because I saw the solution. I saw it in the lives of the women I talked with, and they have gone from destitution, desperation. They said it was the darkest of times, and now they have com- total confidence and and health and confidence that they can meet climate change. So the the uh, cotton in India today, 90% of it is now GM cotton. And the farmers are, as you say, absolutely trapped in almost like a, a rebirth of feudalism where farmers are so indebted they are really in a, in a form of, of entra- entrapment. Um, and and, and uh, thousands are breaking away from, from this trap by returning to the best of Indian, very deeply rooted uh, food, healthy food traditions and then learning about the new ecological practices, even in the rain-fed areas, areas that are getting less water now because of climate change, they are able to grow, even on poor soils that I saw, able to grow these, these beautiful millets and pulses, that is the legume family, and oil seeds. And so they have all their all the different vitamins and minerals they need. They look extremely healthy. So there is this terrible, tragic um, process going on of dependency building through the monopoly control of seeds, and it is not necessary, and and we can escape, and I saw it with my own eyes, and it's beautiful. Good, because at some point we should ask the American media to examine what you have examined, that I and others have examined, and Jeffrey Smith, and they don't cover this. They don't hold Bill, Bill Clinton, George Bush, 
a senior, George Bush Jr., Barack Obama now, right. responsible for globalization, neoliberal policies, promoting the big agra in there. The State Department and WikiLeaks leaked documents showing that Hillary Clinton was actually threatening countries if they didn't take genetically engineered products uh, with reprisals. Now, that came out and embarrassed them, but the major media made no no comment about how we're holding nations uh, blackmail uh, mm-hmm. for GMO. Now, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to give you a few, um, just a few articles that are out today concerning GMOs and the big fight that's going on in California and how major biotech industries, DuPont and Monsanto, have put at least $35 million behind it. They have many scientists for hire who are going up and down the state saying, vote no to the proposition uh, because, oh, it's going to cost the food to go up if Proposition 37 passes. And these are not true, but they're stating them. And I want to give you some of the latest, all right? And then I'd like you to respond to them. Because I know you have to get out early because you have a rush to the airport, so we won't. Yes, hold and it. I'm here in California to precisely because, also, I'm. Uh, uh, I want to get out the real information about GMOs here in California, and so I'm here too to do some events on, on that issue. Good. This is from a prisonplanet.com, Anthony Guzzardi, and it says corporate biotech scientist says, "quote awesome." that GMOs cause infertility and death. And by the way, I've confirmed this. Here's what it says. This was in um, the full email. I'm no traitor against humanity. This is blah, 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 blanked out because of obscenity caused infertility. It's awesome. The world is overpopulated and people need to stop having children. This is one of the Earth's largest problems. If the Earth wasn't overpopulated, things like growth hormones would not exist. The reason they do is that the Earth cannot produce enough food on its own to feed all of us. This is why GMO is actually saving the planet. So blah, 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 you and your blah, 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 I'm doing humanity a favor. Sincerely. Who is this writing this? This is a GMO scientist. Who? Uh, I'll send that to you, all right? Oh, uh, my goodness gracious. This was, uh, this was on Natural Society. It's been confirmed, and I'll give it to you. So finally someone actually goes on the record and says that GMOs are doing us a good thing by doing what they're doing. And also then we have Bill Gates supporting the idea of eugenics by putting in GMO uh, vaccines, um, putting in... A different uh, contraceptives. Now, this is separate. Why science won't give us the answers on GMO's agri-expert? I'll only cite a paragraph here. This is from GMO Watch. Um, Jean-Pierre Berlin is an agronomist and an economist and a retired director of research at a national institute. He wrote to us about the controversy over Seralani's study. By the way, people in the audience, Seralani is an independent scientist, one of the most respected in the world. His expertise in this area, and in France, they fed a group of rats, regular lab rats that are used in all the GMO experiments, feeding them GMO uh, or Roundup or GMO with Roundup. And they found that after three months or after 90 days, a high percentage of these rats developed mammary tumors and renal tumors, but massive 
and you actually hear him in the press conference state, and we have the tape, where he says that these are gigantic tumors. And then you see a picture, and the tumor's as big as the rat. Now, here's the key. When he published the data, he and his scientific team, they were methodical. They took the experiment to its complete conclusion, and they have every part of it photographed and, and documented. The GMO industry hit back. Well, they didn't use the right rats. Wrong, they did. Well, he has some bias. He had no bias. And what was, was then why didn't we find this out in America? Why don't we have studies in America showing this rats? Simple because all of the GMO experiments here end in 90 days. The tumors develop after 90 days. Do you think that's a coincidence? So now he's going on here to talk about that he's being attacked and mocked and ridiculed simply because he told the truth, and that's a truth that the GMO industry does not want anyone else to know. And finally, but that study is out, and we have it up on our website for people to actually see the document. In fact, um, we, we, we got the whole clip up there. And finally, Francis, this is did Monsanto write in California, the anti-GMO labeling op-ed signed by the University of Davis professor. And this is from Michael Simone, and I'll quickly state this. It says, as I recently explained, University of California at Davis, agriculture researchers have heavily uh, been influenced by the funding they receive from Monsanto and other biotech players. This conflict of interest explains in part why we are seeing several University of Davis professors re, um, write op-eds opposing Proposition 37, which would require labeling of foods containing GMOs. The latest example was published last week in at least two small California newspapers, including the Daily Democrat in Woodland. The article is authored by University of California Davis professor Kent Bradford, but the paper fails to mention the professor's deep ties to Monsanto. And then he goes on to talk about, quote, Monsanto is spending $31 million expanding its woodland vegetable seed research and development headquarters. 90,000 square feet expansion will add laboratory and office space, doubling the size. And then how much they've given. And guess who's the person out there? Kent Bradford, director of the Seed Biotechnology Center at the University of California, Davis, and a leader of Seed Central, a university-led initiative to attract seed industry to Davis area. So here's a man writing an op-ed in California and not identifying the fact that virtually all of his funding and the university's funding is coming from Monsanto. So would you address all these issues and your <laughs> issue about GMO in California specifically, but everywhere else? Well, um, you've you've really touched on so much, Gary. Um, I, I yes, I am absolutely shocked at the lack of transparency of the connections of in the industry to the scientific research. And but now there are many, many, many uh, peer-reviewed studies. The, the Seralini study is not the only one, although it's. As I, I agree with you, and the scientists are coming to the defense of this paper, it's very credible. Yes, the tumors are massive, and um, so. Um, but there are now a number of peer-reviewed studies, and um, we have a fact sheet we're developing at our website, smallplanet.org, that will be up in a few days. Um, just with this basic information that you're going over in one page so that it's called Seven Things to Tell Your Friends About GMOs, because I think for a lot of us it's getting, you know, just the what we can absolutely be sure about to make this absolutely critical case. So I think this conflict of interest, the transparency not being there, should make all of us uh, very, very concerned um, about 
just the basics of democracy, that we have to have the facts to be able to, to make wise decisions together. So um, I don't even know where to begin, but the, the point is that there's not, not just this one study, but, but quite a number of studies showing um, the health consequences in animals, animal studies, as, as we know. There's never been standard testing of human health. Uh, so now this Seralini study, which you mentioned so appropriately, is the first really two-year study. Can you believe it? I mean, that's criminal in and of itself, you know, that, that only now are we getting a two-year study. Um, <clears throat> but even the shorter studies show problems in lab animals. <clears throat> so this is a very, very serious issue. And I think, you know, I, I want to underscore from my perspective that it's not that I am saying that Monsanto is particularly evil in a sense. I'm saying that concentrated power, concentrated power that is now in the form of uh, the, these very few, really three companies that control genetically modified seeds throughout the world. Historically, we know, and we know in lab experiments on us as human beings, that that kind of concentrated power brings out the absolute worst in human beings. And this is what we're seeing right now. And so we have to, to stand up for what we now is so documented, so true, that we do not need to become dependent and vulnerable to this kind of concentrated power over our food supply. And as I tell the stories from India, and but it's true around the world, that people who are gaining control of the land and understanding how to align our farming practices with ecology, with the basic laws of nature, know that there is more than enough available. And Gary, I just want to make absolutely clear that all the listeners know that this whole fear, which your whole program, you know, that I heard before we started talking, you were talking about the fear that is being generated. It is absolutely needless that the world is producing more than enough right now to feed us all, even on the leftovers after the massive feeding of grain to livestock and diversion into fuel. There's still enough. And um, studies... One in particular done at the University of Michigan said if we went 100% organic throughout the world, that we could increase food production by 50%. Clearly, safe practices can produce all we need now, all we need in the future, and create the context in which people then can choose, have the security and of well-being to be able to choose smaller families. And that's part of the whole thing, of, for me, of uh, the common sense of we must align with nature, both in our farming practices and in our own, in our own lives, uh, meaning that we all need to have power and, and meaning and purpose in our lives, and therefore we have to gain control over this information so that we can make healthy choices for ourselves. So it, this, this GMO question goes right to the heart of all of these issues that I've been working on since Diet for a Small Planet in 1971, and um, all, the, all the issues of personal well-being and uh, public well-being, the creation of a real democracy in which power is not concentrated and in which we each have the information we need to make the healthy choices. Hmm. I appreciate those insights. I know you're going to run. Let me ask you one last question. Yes. Give us your overview of why a person who may not be fully educated on the consequences of consuming GMOs should stop for a moment and ask themselves, do they want to take something into the body that has been artificially manipulated using various bacteria or viruses that uh, Professor Bruce Lipton, and I just asked him this uh, three weeks ago in San Francisco when I filmed him, he said, 
he can absolutely show you the science that if something's been genetically altered, that it can adversely affect your genome. He said that people are telling you that if you eat genetically engineered food, anything that is adverse won't even be absorbed. He said that's all nonsense. I'd like your thoughts on this, please. Well, the, the, what is absolutely known, scientists, many, many scientists, it's, it's, it's most basic most basic understanding of this genetic technology is that it results are absolutely unpredictable. I have a quote in this fact sheet from a scientist um, in a peer-reviewed journal saying that that absolutely we cannot predict the outcome. And that's the, the, the you know, the, the number one is this, this technology is very crude in the sense that um, it doesn't under, it doesn't take into account that the way that nature works is that the insertion of one gene can be expressed in all sorts of ways that we cannot know, and that's undoubtedly why we're seeing these these um, the health uh, issues in the animal studies. So my my point from the beginning, Gary, from you know back when I first started speaking out in 2000, when I really was got into this issue, um, that that why take a risk? Why risk? Why risk our health? Why risk the environment? We already know, you know, the generation of, of super weeds, the contamination of other plants like the land races, the original sources of corn in Mexico have been contaminated with um, genetically modified the, the, the gene there. So we do not need to take risks. So why would anybody choose to take a risk that they need not take? And that's where I, I'm back to this very conservative um, position that why risk the most important thing for all, all else? I mean, we can't do anything with our lives if we're not healthy. And why risk giving up our power to such concentrated, concentrated industry if we don't have to? And clearly we don't have to. So that, that's the bottom line. You know, we can debate till we're blue in the face about a particular study show. But the point is the, the consequences are un, unpredictable for this technology. And they involve risk, therefore. And we've already begun to see um, in animal studies and environmental consequences uh, that, um, that there are harmful effects. So that's really all, all it's about. It's, it's about our own, our own, I think, dignity and self-respect that we don't have to fall for the false information for the scare tactics. I appreciate that. Wasn't it uh, Sarah Connolly who said, hate is the consequence of fear. We fear something before we hate it. And what you have is you have Monsanto and other companies fearing, fearing a person's freedom of choice, fearing the consequences of sustainable agriculture using organic and local farmers, fearing what it means to be able to make a choice of positive input into their body because that would threaten Monsanto's entire reason for being. And I can see no reason for Monsanto to be because anything they're doing, we can do better and more sustainable and healthy. So therefore, it's understandable why they have such fear and how they, and then they loathe the organic farmer. They've sued them. So everything that you all are doing, and by the way, for anyone living in San Francisco Bay Area who's listening, there, there's going to be an event uh, about labeling GMOs, Proposition 37, with Jeffrey Smith and Francis Moore LePay and others. It's uh, called Speak Out for Healthy Foods, Truth About GMOs. It'll be this Sunday from 1 to 4. 
and uh, it'll be at the Cyril Magnon Ballroom in San Francisco. So uh, hopefully we have a lot of listeners out there in California, so hopefully they'll be able to come over and and see you, Francis. And thank you for taking time out of a busy schedule. I know you just dropped (laughs) everything to stop and, and say hello to us today, and we really appreciate it. Oh, this is so important to me. And just one final thought, Gary, for all of our listeners is that another thing that Monsanto and the other companies are doing is trying to, to um, you know, is, is blocking the research by not making the material, their, their seats available for research, and by threatening people who begin to, you know, to tell, to raise these issues. They threaten them with lawsuits, and that certainly was the case of my first husband, Mark LePay, a esteemed scientist, and when his book, Against the Grain, was about to go to press, Monsanto contacted the publisher and threatened them, and he, they pulled it off the presses, and he had to go to another publisher. Those are the kind of tactics that uh, this company has engaged in. So that tells us a lot as well. If they're so confident in what they're doing, they certainly do not need to block the information in the debate. So this is another very important element in the intimidation that we cannot let stop us. Too bad they don't. he didn't have a publisher like your publisher, my publisher, Ballantine Books and Betty Ballantine. Well, he did find a publisher called Common Courage Press, and uh, I think they warrant their name. But the the the, the point here is um, is the kind of intimidation that is is just unconscionable, and we we can't let it let it stop us. That's why that's why we're going to look forward to you out in California. I'm out in California. Everyone's out in California who's concerned about this, doing all we can together, collectively. So thank you very much, Francis. Thank you, Gary. Thank you so much. Francis Morlapay uh, in a hotel room on the way to the airport right now, and uh, so she can attend the rallies coming up.